Hello, my friends. Welcome to my first ever podcast. I am so thrilled to be doing this. I have wanted to start a podcast for so many years, and I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the damn thing. And that is something I want to embody in how I live my life is that you see me showing up doing these things that I've always wanted to do. And it's really been committing to this work that I'm going to share about in this podcast around expanding my nervous system's capacity to do more and creating more space in my life to do these things that I've always wanted to do. And in this first episode, the focus is going to be around the connection between money and our nervous system and explaining why we are afraid of it, of money, how money can bring about this this stress or this threat reflex within us and how that shapes our physiology and our mind when we're feeling threatened or or stressed about money. So that's going to be the focus today. Before this podcast, I went outside and I did my dance walking, which I am starting to make it a trend. (laughs) And the reason I bring that up is because doing this podcast, this is my first time. I am a little nervous about it. I'm a little stressed. I want to do a good job. And and so in somatic experiencing some of these these stressful kind of activating feelings are labeled red, the color red. And these feel-good feelings, the ones that feel good in our body that are really positive and feel pleasurable in somatic experiencing, those are labeled as blue. And I'm walking the talk here because as we do things that activate our nervous system, face our fears, it's really important to also do stuff that feels good. And that's called pendulating. So if you're going into the red, also pendulating into the blue, into the things that feel good, because we just can't go into these difficult things and just face it head on and expect that like just going through and making it hard and difficult and pushing through that that's really the way that we make progress in our lives. It's actually that we pendulate, we swing like a pendulum back and forth between these red vortices and the blue vortices. And by landing that blue, that positive good feeling in our body, we're able to do more of the red. And so that's why I do my walk dancing. And I'll just talk about this for a second, but it's like lights me up so much just to put on music, to be out in nature, to go on a walk. And I can just feel in my body, it feels so good. Like I feel excitement and joy. And it's just so clear to me what feeling good feels like. And for a long time, I didn't know what good felt like in my body. And now that I have dance walking, see, it's it's so silly and simple, you know, I have this way to access that joy and that good feeling really easily. And so I wanted to just bring that up about what I am doing to prepare to show up on this podcast today. I also have some good smells with me, some aromatherapy, I have jasmine. So using these these techniques that I have that do help me feel grounded, that bring some of that that blue into doing this this red thing. 
So that's just a little context. Also, before I jump in to today's episode, this week was the very first monthly money circle for women. And I genuinely am saying this, that I was taken back by the women that showed up, how heart-centered and ready to commit to being on this journey of looking at money, building awareness, and taking a nervous system informed approach to money and really being interested and excited about this new way of working with money that doesn't only focus on the the money strategies that we do with our mind, but also considers how am I feeling in my body? And a lot of what I share in those circles is some education around that that connection. And that's exactly what I'll be doing in today's episode is speaking to the connection between money and our nervous system and how that affects our, our thinking and how we make decisions. So with that, I just want to take a moment to take a deep breath and call on my angels and guides to protect and guide me through this podcast episode today, wrapping it in love and light and everyone that's listening in love and light and guide me to sharing this message with the people that will really want to hear it, that will really land with them and resonate and make a difference in their lives. And for those that it doesn't resonate with, please help them move forward. And maybe someday this information will come around and resonate with them. But it's okay if this is not for everyone. And so with that, I will jump into fear, money, and the nervous system. And so... We're going to talk about what fear is. And fear, it is both cognitive and physiological. So it's in our brain. It's a response. It's a way that our brain responds to threat and our body responds to threat. So we have this threat reflex that works to keep us safe. Our nervous system is really in charge here. When there's a threat, our nervous system takes over to protect us. Your rational mind is not <laughs> online. It's not a part of this reaction to threat, this threat reflex that we're going to talk about. So our nervous system is constantly scanning the environment to determine if we are safe or if we are in danger. And this is called, the fancy word is called neuroception. So that's that like scanning the environment. And our nervous system is made up of a few different parts. There's the central nervous system, which is our brain and our spinal cord. And then we have our peripheral nervous system, which is made up of our somatic nervous system and our autonomic nervous system. And our autonomic nervous system breaks down into the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So our somatic nervous system, that involves things that you consciously sense and do. So that's what your five senses, we'll talk about the, the sense beyond your five senses, but your five senses deliver information to your brain or your nerves deliver information from your senses to your brain. And then your somatic nervous system carries commands from your brain to your muscles so that you can respond. 
the autonomic nervous system, it works without you thinking and it's, it's running behind the scenes to keep you alive. And so that's the sympathetic, which we hear a lot as fight or flight. And that is the alertness side of our nervous system. That's what kind of like wakes us up to like respond to a threat. And then there's the parasympathetic, which is more down-regulating. So the sympathetic is up-regulating and the parasympathetic is is down-regulating. It can be calming, but also not always because that's what will dig into a little bit more with polyvagal theory where like traditionally we think of just like fight or flight as a response but there's also another response to threat which is called freeze which is part of the parasympathetic and it's more of a shutting down of our body in in response to threat so yeah that's the overview of our nervous system is made up of these two main networks that work in harmony. So there's the central nervous system, which is the brain and spinal cord, and then the peripheral nervous system that nerves come out of the central nervous system. And and that's how information from the outside world can get communicated up to our brain and then we can respond. So as I mentioned, our somatic nervous system delivers information from our senses to your central nervous system, which is your spinal cord and brain. Your brain then interprets this info and essentially determines if the stimulus is threatening to your life or sense of self. So if that stimulus then is to be life-threatening or threatening to your sense of self, the answer is yes, it is a threat. It activates your body to respond to the threat to keep you safe, which is commonly called your fight or flight response meaning you will move towards the threat to fight it or you will flee, you'll get away and you'll move away from it to protect yourself. And then, as I said before, polyvagal theory came around in about 1994. So it's younger than than I am (laughs) and said, there's something missing here and added that our nervous system is organized hierarchically, hierarchically, in a hierarchy. (laughs) So there's like our first response is actually our need for human connection to like be with other people. And that's called social engagement. Our second response of our nervous system, that's the fight or flight. So that's in the sympathetic nervous system when we get activated to move towards the threat and fight it or move away from it. But that's the alertness. And then our last response is collapse, freeze, shutdown. And so you can think of that like if a bunny is escaping a coyote, but it just gives up. It's like, okay, I I can't get away from this coyote. It will essentially play dead to kind of numb itself to the pain. But also predators don't want dead prey. So it's a protective mechanism in that way as well. So beyond fight or flight, we can go into this collapse state. But of course, our, our nervous system doesn't see every stimulus as a threat. I'll give an example. So a few days ago, I was on a walk and something popped out of the corner of my eye and I, I jumped a little. It ran right across my path. And so I, I reacted to that. At first, I was responding like, oh, is this a threat? But when I saw what it was, a cute, fluffy little bunny, I immediately calmed down. My fear response kicked in at first, but then my rational mind overrode it 
this top down and said, it's just a cute little bunny and I am safe. So that is how things can can shift is like first this instinctual emotional protective part of you kicks in and then your more cognitive brain your your thinking brain that can you know rationally see like oh that's just a fluffy bunny a cute little bunny i am not in danger here and the psychologist daniel kahneman calls this two different types of thinking i just described system one and system two thinking, where system one, also called automatic thinking, is that fast, instinctive, and emotional. It's like near instantaneous, and it happens like very automatically. And this is really driven by our instinct and and by our experiences. And system two is slower. It requires more effort and is conscious, logical, and rational. So that was my system one thinking responded to the the thing coming out of the corner of my eye, like, oh, this might be a threat. My system two was like, it's just a bunny. <laughs> but let's play with this example in another way. So I am currently in Arizona. And let's pretend this bunny was actually a jaguar. They have jaguars here. And jaguars are, are scary. Like, <laughs> they're predators, right? This, If I saw a jaguar in my walk, that could potentially be life-threatening because it could attack me. So in the face of the threat of this jaguar that could be really threatening to me, our, our system to thinking, that rational mind, it just goes out the door and we are all system one. So we're all that instinctual thinking. In this jaguar scenario, evolutionarily, nature doesn't want me to examine all the options. Like if I see a jaguar, doesn't want me to use that system two thinking to like sort out all my options, take time, make a logical, rational choice. It wants me to quickly get to the point and to protect myself from danger. And so it, it, that automatic thinking kicks in. So that's when, when I register that as a threat, that's when I react and I, I fight back. I run away or I play dead, which is the collapse response. So fight, flight, or freeze. So when my system is under threat, my response is not voluntary. I'm not, I'm not choosing if I want to fight or flight or freeze. As I said, my, my logical, rational mind is not online. I'm just using my system one thinking. And I don't decide if I'm fighting, fleeing, freezing, or flapsing. My nervous system is deciding for me with the capacity that it has in that moment based on my past experiences. So that's like what was modeled to me as a child of how to respond to threat or nervous system. What have I tried in the past that, that worked or, or didn't work? And where have I been stuck in a rut? And so the, the capacity that I have in the moment also is called my window of tolerance. And the window of tolerance means you're in a state of optimal arousal. So optimal activation and flow where we can function with effectiveness. So this window of resilience, this window of tolerance, you can think about it as a scale of, of one to 10, where if you're within 
a four to a seven, you're within this window of tolerance where you're not like in hyper arousal, you're not overly aroused and you're not hypo arousal. So you're not under kind of checked out. You're in this middle window where you're able to handle what's coming at you. But if you're at a one through three or eight through nine, you're outside that window of resilience or that window of tolerance. And you're much less able to manage what comes your way. You're much more likely to be triggered to the point that your system one thinking takes over and your system two is out the door. So where you're just thinking emotionally and instinctually and you don't have that system two of that that logical long-term decision-making brain online. So that's one thing to consider as well is it's a spectrum, right? So we have this this window of resilience that if we can start thinking about that as like, okay, where am I on this this window of resilience right now? Am I in between four and seven? That's a good place to be when when making decisions. But if you're too activated or or kind of under aroused, then that really affects your ability to to make decisions in the moment. So where you're at within that window of tolerance really impacts your nervous system ability to respond. That's the the capacity that it has in the moment is where you're at in that window of tolerance, that window of resilience. And the system is, is set up for learning. Our nervous system is set up for learning to anticipate problems. And it's it's very good at that. <laughs> That's what it's designed to do. And it and it keeps us safe. It's it's scanning our environment to look for dangers to keep us safe. And it's just important to know that when we're in this state, it's not the mind that's choosing, it's it's unconscious. It's unconscious. And Kimberly Ann Johnson has a book called Call of the Wild that does a really great job of explaining all of this as well. So our nervous system can learn from something that happens to us one time or it could be an accumulation of experiences. So it could be one thing, one event that happens that's very intense and really shapes and changes how our nervous system responds, or it could be an over a long period of time, an accumulation of things. And this changing of our, our nervous system, this learning is called neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is the nervous system's ability to change in response to an experience. And this is how learning happens at a cellular cellular level. Our our body remembers it. It changes the way our, our body functions. And because of the way that our our nervous system is designed to keep us safe, we we learn much quicker from negative experiences than we do learning new things like a, a language or an instrument. And behavioral scientists call this a negativity bias. We have this negativity bias where something bad can happen to us once and it gets wired in us as a fear and we really remember it. Whereas like learning a language, you really have to commit to it and learn it over time in order for that neuroplasticity to shift and for you to, to learn something new. So really it's our, our, our system is set up for learning to create memories and to anticipate things that might go wrong to keep us safe in the future. And this this learning is the building of a, a neural pathway where all of a sudden the, the neuros that previously didn't communicate as well now communicate really well. And so it's a more well-worn path 
for your nervous system to default into. So it's it's kind of like going from old school dial-up internet to high speed. So now that pathway is something that your body is wired for and it is ready to go in response to a threat. So let's go back to the Jaguar example for, for a minute. Let's say I'm on my walk and the Jaguar jumps out. My system two thinking, that logical part, is out the door. It's offline. And I have remaining my instinctual fast thinking system one. That That's understanding that the cognitive side of the fear response. That's how my thinking is working. But there's also the physiological response. So how my body responds, which we learned earlier is based on my processing system. So how have my past experiences shaped how I see certain threats and what is my capacity at the moment? Where am I within my window of tolerance? And then this is wired into my nervous system that then when I see a threat, activates me into my fight, flight, or freeze response. And this activation triggers a release of hormones and other chemicals into the body that then change the state of my body. So some of these hormones are, are cortisol and adrenaline. So that's what kind of amps the body up into that sympathetic. So that's the sympathetic looks like an increase in blood pressure, heart rate, adrenaline, defensive responses. And then for the fight response, it emotionally looks like rage, anger, irritation, frustration. For flight, it looks like panic, fear, anxiety, worry, concern, avoidance. And if you go into a, a freeze response in the parasympathetic nervous system, that means heart rate goes down, depth of breath. Essentially, there's this numbing of the body to the pain. You're shutting down. And that is because the part of the brain called the periaqueductal gray, which contains neurons that then trigger this, this freezing response. And these neurons create this endogenous opioids, which are chemicals released in the PAG, the periaqueductal gray. And that's what creates that numbing against the pain. So that's that shutting down. So if you feel like you're going into a freeze, that's really your, your body trying to numb from the pain. And so, yeah, that looks like disassociation, numbness, shutdown, hopelessness, trapped, and shame, which is a, a big one here. And so through this activation of our, our nervous system, the state of our body is in a, a heightened state of emotion. And as we've talked about, this really impacts our, our thoughts. So often if we're having negative thoughts, the manifestation of the state of the, the our nervous system is in. Because when emotion increases, thinking decreases. We react instinctually to keep ourselves safe. Our, our logical brain is not, not there. So this response is really useful. If there's a real physical threat to your safety, it's very useful. But we aren't living in the Stone Age, right? We're in this modern society. This response can actually be maladaptive, meaning it, it doesn't serve us in the modern world all the time. This is where we can connect this fear response that we've been talking about, also that I've talked to as talked about as threat reflex, how we can connect this to money. 
So 73% of Americans rank their finances as the number one stress in their life. <laughs> the reasons why behind the reasons behind why money is such a stressor is a whole other conversation that we'll dive into in a later episode. But it stems from systemic trauma to financial literacy to general generational trauma and also your own lived experiences. But given that that most Americans are stressed by money, that means that they see money as a threat to their their life, their safety, security, or sense of self. So that's where that that fear response comes in because money feels like it's threatening most people's safety. They're threat threatening their their life in some way, their sense of self in some way, their security. And then the stress activates this whole threat response that we've been walking through. And stress in, in modern society looks very different than, than the Stone Age threats. The, the Stone Age stress is, is more similar to a specific event, like I was saying, like the jaguar. If you need to protect yourself from something that's actually going to attack you, that could potentially attack you, like a jaguar, then this threat response is very useful. But in modern day society, we thankfully don't have that so much happening to us where we're getting physically attacked. But the more so, there's this modern day stress that is is chronic, like this consistent sense of feeling pressured and overwhelmed over a long period of time. And this leaves us with a dysregulated nervous system, this, this ongoing chronic stress, this dysregulated nervous system where we're going between one extreme of the nervous system to the other. So it's we're often operating cognitively in our emotional survival brain. We're, we're operating in that system one thinking a lot. And this leaves us feeling really anxious, maybe startling really easily, having trouble relaxing, feeling really restless, hypervigilant, which just means like you're really on top of everything, trying to control everything. And also emotional flooding, which is where the emotions just take you away and you lose really any sense of control. And as I mentioned before, that this heightened state of emotion decreases our thinking. It decreases our ability to use our system to thinking, to make rational, logical choices. And it's so true that, that this is what happens when it comes to money as well. We're so stressed out. Most people are stressed out about money that then they're responding from that system one thinking and not able to use their rational, logical brain to make the decisions. So whether it's money itself that is stressing someone out or just another thing that is stressful in the environment, oftentimes our, our money life is impacted, our money is impacted, how we spend, earn, save, invest, is impacted by our nervous system. And this is usually why budgets don't really work for people because that requires, budgets require us to use that system's two thinking with money and to act really rationally. But when our system is stressed out or under threat, we now know that our rational mind is not, is, is not there. It's out the door. <laughs> and it's our fast acting system, one, that steps in to get our need met as fast and as efficiently as possible. So spending money or affording money 
comes in to alleviate this stress and gives us a sense of of relief or, or safety. This and it's kind of a false sense of relief or safety, to be honest. And this is called the false window of tolerance because it it doesn't actually meet the real need that we have underneath. It's just kind of alleviating with a quick fix. So the, the spending or hoarding money can create a, a false sense of release of stress and a false sense of completion of, of our stress cycle, our stress response cycle. And so our stress response cycle looks like activation, mobilization, deactivation, restoration. And so when we're stressed, this stressful energy is meant to go somewhere. It's it's meant to be moved. But when that energy isn't discharged, it gets stuck in our body. And stress and this trauma show up in our body and we never really actually get the relief from it. We're we're living living with this. So while our threat reflex is designed to keep us safe, and it's very good at doing that, it can be maladaptive, meaning it doesn't actually serve us in a positive way in this modern world. It might actually cause us to be super uptight with money and really limit what we, we do in life because we're so worried and, and con- controlling of our money. Or it could lead to overspending, which brings us into debt. Or it might just mean avoiding money altogether. And then we look at these, these money results, these things in our life with money, and, and we look at it at our behaviors and we really start to judge ourselves. You might judge yourself for, for not having better self-control with money, which then over time becomes this shame around money. And the shame makes us feel like we are broken, like something is wrong with us and we are bad at money. And as I said earlier, shame is that feeling that's of the, the collapse, freeze, shut down response. That's what shame is. It's in that parasympathetic shutdown response. And so we're feeling shame. We're in threat. We're, we're feeling threatened. And then that means that our system to logical thinking isn't able to come in and help us make decisions with money in a logical, rational, long-term way using like strategy and stuff like that because we're feeling activated. And the truth is, is there's nothing wrong with you. And that's like one of the most important parts of this message is there's nothing wrong with you. You're just a good learner, right? That like neuroplasticity of your nervous system is like scanning and and learning just even in one time how to keep you safe going forward. And if we stay stuck in, in judging ourselves for things that we do with money that we wish we'd stop doing, we're just trying to solve it with our irrational mind, with budgets and with other financial strategies. And so if we're just solving it with those kind of surface level fixes, we're never going to be able to move forward in our money life or in our life. We, get, we just stay stuck. And so what we need to do is, is start with bringing self-compassion. And I hope what this podcast episode does is it, it shows like self-compassion from 
like a neuroscience perspective, not just maybe sometimes it, it feels soft, but like, I hope this brings like this hard science perspective to help convince you of the importance of self-compassion and, and how that shows up in our body. And so the self-compassion to bringing that to what we judge about ourselves, about how we use money and replacing that, that judgment with loving kindness and self-compassion and telling ourselves, I love you. I am listening. And bringing that curiosity that like I'm listening to you, body, bringing that curiosity to our behavior with money and looking for the intelligence of our nervous system, right? Like our, our nervous system is very smart. It's, it's learning how to efficiently meet our needs very quickly, even though in some ways it, it might be maladaptive, meaning it's not actually bringing about the result that would actually help us thrive in our modern day society, it's doing something. There's an intelligence there. And so instead of shaming it, let's bring some curiosity and see like what need is trying to be met? What need is my nervous system trying to meet? And uncovering and paying attention to that need is where real transformation can start to happen. Once you get to that point, then you can start to experiment with new ways to meet that need that isn't at the detriment of your health or your, your finances or your relationships. You get to that root first and you make it less threatening so you can approach it with a regulated nervous system where you can use system two thinking and use your rational mind to, in terms of money, build a budget and, and do other things to optimize your finances. But if you're frustrated with trying to do things to improve your finances and it's just not working, it's because you have to do this financial strategy, personal finance stuff in tandem with the nervous system work. You have to build that awareness of what's going on in your body. And that awareness is actually a sense beyond our five senses, which is called interoception which is your ability to sense what's going on inside your body, like your breathing, your heart rate, and the expansion of your lungs and how your body is feeling. So this interoception is, is the fancy word for the word mindfulness. <laughs> and so with this, this mindfulness, you become aware of your nervous system. And then based on the state of your nervous system, then you can assess if, hey, am I in a good state right now? a good state of mind, a good state of body to make a financial decision? Or do I first need to attune to my nervous system and regulate my nervous system first and then come back to this decision or this building this financial plan or working with your money or really anything so that you, you do that from a place of your, your rational brain is online and you're not under threat. You're feeling calm and regulated. So you can make a, a financial decision. And the empowering element of all of this is that our nervous system is bi-directional circuit, meaning we can use things like awareness and breathing and movement to influence our nervous system. It's not like we're just a victim to the outside things happening to us and we can't do anything about it. We can start to pay attention, that interoception, that mindfulness to then work with our movement, work with our breath, work with ourselves to influence the state of our nervous system. This is where a growth mindset is so key. So even if you struggle with money, 
spending, budgeting, earning, investing, whatever, your abilities with money are not set in stone. You can grow and expand your nervous system's capacity to do more with money and to do more in your life. I'm so passionate about teaching this money and nervous system work because our society has taught us to be so disconnected from our bodies. And like, I know that firsthand from my life, it's been such a journey to continue to come back home to my body. We are trained to see ourselves as logical creatures, as as brains on sticks. (laughs) And like everything just comes down to your mind and and logic and if you can just think enough if you can just think about it more then you will come to a magical conclusion and be able to resolve all issues and, and fix the situation at hand if you just thought about it more and i'm here to tell you that if the solution was at the could be solved with your mind we we wouldn't be here right now i wouldn't be recording this and and you wouldn't be listening to this we start to view our bodies as an inconvenience and override our, our needs or to be more productive or whatever. And through this, we become so disconnected from our body's most basic impulses. And this is really the root of how we start to distrust ourselves in our inner authority, inner intuition. When we start to disconnect from our bodies, that's where we start to distrust ourselves. And we stop listening to ourselves and we start looking outside ourselves for what we should do with our lives, with our money. And I want you to know that your body's experience matters. And not only does your body's experience matter, but there is a wisdom and intelligence in your body that is waiting in calling for you to listen. And it's up to you to answer the call. It's, a, it's up to you to answer and say, I love you, I am listening. And by doing that, by telling your body, I love you, I'm listening, this is what coming back home to yourself looks like. This is what building deeper self-trust looks like. And this is how you make real transformation in your life and in your relationship to money. And so when we think about fear and if you have stress with money and fear with money, I want you to know you don't have to face this all alone. I host a monthly money circle for women, which is a really good way to just start bringing more awareness to your money and to the connection between money and your nervous system. And when it comes to facing this money stuff, it's a game changer to have support. So if you feel called to get support with money in your nervous system, I invite you to join the monthly Money Circle for Women. And I also invite you, if you feel called, to send me a direct message on Instagram or send me an email and we can set up a free one-on-one connection call to see if it's aligned for us to really dig deeper together into your relationship with money, your nervous system, and to start with that nervous system aware approach to then build money management systems that make money easier and less activating in the first place so that you can do more with your life. You can follow your intuition. You have that connection and that deeper self-trust with yourself. 
because at least in my life, I found that I got really far doing work on figuring out who I am and pulling back the layers of the conditioning. And I felt like I had grown so much inside, but it hadn't yet translated to the world and how I was spending my time externally. There wasn't that coherence between my inner world and my outer world because I really felt held back by money. Money was kind of where the the rubber hit the road for me in terms of my inner transformation and what needed to happen in order for my inner transformation to be reflected in my outer world, how I'm spending my time, what types of things am I learning? How do people see me? How do people, when I describe what I'm doing, do I feel excited to share that with people? Does, do I feel like what I'm saying really represents who I am and who I know myself to be and who I'm becoming? And like money just in our world, in the systems, that we have set up in our world in this capitalist culture or structure and system, it's like money can really be that that thing that still is holding us back. And so if if this resonates with you, uh, I work with clients one-on-one and I focus on these, these three pillars of the nervous system, like we've talked about today, money management and intuition. So that's like connecting more to our inner authority and, and dreaming. And so we have the capacity through our nervous system to do more in life, to do more with money. We have these systems in place with our money. So it's easier to manage and a lot more straightforward and feels way less overwhelming and way less activating going forward. And then that creates this freedom and expansion in our lives to follow your intuition, to dream, to create and do more of what you want to do with your one wild and precious life. And so I I needed this whole podcast to really weave the thread of the connection between our nervous system and money and following our dreams. And it's so important that as women that we understand this work and take action on it. So if you feel called to connect with me, please send me a note. I'd be happy to hear like what from this resonated with you, what stood out, if you have any feedback for me or things that you think I should consider to add into future episodes, please let me know. And I would love to connect on a one-on-one call to see if it's a good fit to work together so we can, I can help you and support you through expanding your nervous system's capacity to do more, building those money management systems and connecting with your intuition and we can do this on our on our own but it's we don't have to there's so much value actually when we're doing this work that is so heavily charged to do it with someone that has a regulated nervous system in this area so that's really the beauty of how i work with my one-on-one clients is they're able to co-regulate with me around this very charged topic of money and how it's connected to so many aspects in our life And so I thank you so much for listening to my very first podcast episode, and I hope that you tune in for the next one.